people, I think, are longing for that golden age of Hollywood again and that glamour and glitz we had. And, and it's magic time to see the costumes come to life. One realizes that without his clothes, a man would be nothing at all. That the clothes do not merely make the man, the clothes are the man. That without them, he's a cipher, a vacancy, a nobody, a nothing. There is no power without clothes. Or so Mark Twain wrote in 1905. Shakespeare put it more succinctly in Hamlet, quote, The apparel oft proclaims the man, unquote. If the clothes make the man, then they most certainly make the movie star. Think about it. Most of the world probably hasn't seen or even heard of 1955's The Seven Year Itch, but the image of Marilyn Monroe's white halter top dress billowing up around her over the subway grates is familiar to all. So is Audrey Hepburn's little black dress in Breakfast at Tiffany's, or Vivian Lee's magnificent Scarlet O'Hara wardrobe in Gone with the Wind, and James Dean's Red Windbreaker in Rebel Without a Cause. It's not the films themselves that most of us know, it's the images of the stars in the films. And it's because of the clothes. The clothes make the star. But for decades, the magic that costumes brought to the movies went largely unrecognized. And no one, it seemed, undervalued film costumes more than the star makers themselves, the major studios. During the early years of the film industry, once a costume served its purpose, it was frequently cut to scraps and repurposed as floor or cleaning rags. When a fire broke out at one major studio in the 1930s, employees were instructed to grab old movie costumes and throw them into the flames. What better or more efficient way to get rid of some old, useless clutter? In the eyes of the studios, film costumes were just that. But there were some who recognized early the magic and historical significance of these costumes. One such steward was actress Debbie Reynolds, whose famous collection of classic Hollywood costumes at one point included a pair of Judy Garland's ruby red slippers from The Wizard of Oz, Charlie Chaplin's bowler hats, and, yes, Marilyn Monroe's billowy white halter top subway dress. Another forward-thinking collector was Greg Schreiner. It was my great privilege to speak with Greg about his impressive classic Hollywood collection last week. Greg Schreiner owns one of the largest private collections of classic Hollywood film costumes, including Marilyn Monroe screen costumes and publicity gowns, as well as furniture from Marilyn's final home, personal film scripts, and original costume sketches. Greg is a Marilyn Monroe and classic Hollywood expert. He's been featured on AMC's Hollywood Fashion Machine, A&E's The Incurable Collector, Entertainment Tonight, Hard Copy, and The Montel Williams Show. Greg and his classic Hollywood collection have literally traveled the world, from Hollywood to Australia to Japan, where Greg has generously shared his pieces at prestigious museums and through his cabaret-style show, Hollywood Revisited. So without further ado, here's my discussion with Greg Schreiner. Greg, I'm absolutely honored and thrilled to speak with you. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure, Shannon. I'm looking forward to it. 
Well, Greg, as I've just mentioned, you own one of the largest private collections of classic Hollywood film costumes. Have you ever counted how many gowns and costumes you have in your collection? Uh, actually, I've not got an exact count, but I've, it's over 500. So it, it's a lot of costumes. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. That's so impressive, Greg. So what got you started collecting classic Hollywood costumes? Well, I think the reason is Marilyn Monroe, actually. Uh, when I moved to Los Angeles, I wanted to own something of Marilyn's. And eventually, in 1982, I was able to acquire something of hers. And then I kept collecting more things up to a, about 1985 when prices started going up to the point where I couldn't afford a lot of Marilyn, but I had fallen in love with the whole idea of owning movie costumes. So I thought, well, maybe I'll start collecting other stars as well. And I just kept doing it. And one day I woke up and I had over 500 in my closet. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is amazing. Well, and I have to add, I just think, all of us classic Hollywood fans are just so lucky that there were passionate collectors like you and actress Debbie Reynolds who became stewards of these film costumes early on. I feel like you recognized the historical significance of these pieces when so many others, even including the major studios, didn't. Yeah, well, they, the studios, I don't think, ever saw them as anything of value as much as they were a commodity that they could keep reusing in other films. And they didn't see that they were of any great historical significance. So they just basically hung them on wire uh, hangers on racks and they sort of, a lot of them deteriorated. Wow. Um, and they really didn't take care of them because they were not something that were thought of as being important. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I found a, uh, an LA Times article written oh, just over 30 years ago uh, that mentions that just a little bit before the time of the writing, there were costume shops where literally anyone could just come in and rent one of Elizabeth Taylor's Cleopatra gowns for Halloween. And that just shocked me because these are historical gowns from legendary films. And uh, now, you know, we, we contrast that uh, very casual approach to these gowns. And now they're, they're selling for literally millions of dollars. Right. It, it's it's hard to fathom back then what happened to the costumes today. I, I, for instance, at the, the big 1970 MGM auction where they sold all of their costumes, most of them went out to people to wear for Halloween. They were not thought of as being historically wonderful or important for filmdom. Debbie Reynolds was there, however, and she recognized that. And that's why mm -hmm. she ended up with as many as she did, but she couldn't save them all. So a lot of them went out to who knows where and we'll probably never, ever see them again. Yeah. Well, and Greg, you know, I, I've, I've seen some of these Maryland gowns have recently gone for literally uh, the seven year itch gown sold for 4.6 million in 2011. The happy birthday, Mr. President dress sold for, I believe, 4.8 million in 2016. When you started collecting, would you have, ever thought that these gowns and, and the personal items of the stars would become such coveted items? Uh, if I had thought that, I would have certainly spent more money <laughs> <laughs> because things were going for, for peanuts compared to what they go for today. But yeah. back then it felt like it was a lot of money and I was a, a student at UCLA, so I didn't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But now that I look back, I go, why didn't I 
get more of those things while they were so reasonably priced, but can't turn back the clock. So right. I just have to be grateful for what I was able to get. Oh, for sure. Well, and, and Greg, what you have is so impressive. And I want to ask you uh, about a few specific items in your collection. Sure. And one of them is the, uh, the Lana Turner gown that brought us here together today. That beautiful white and black striped gown that she wore in Marriages and Private Affair. How, what, what's the story behind that, that gown? How did you find that? Wow, I have to think back on that. Um, I know, I'm sure I got it at an auction. Uh, uh-huh. It's one I've owned for a very long time. And it's actually been on display for the last seven or eight years at the Hollywood Museum because it's such a popular gown. It's so beautiful. Uh, uh-huh. But that was back when things were still more reasonable and there was more availability to these gowns. And I, I love that gown. I, I love Lana Turner. I actually own quite a few Lana Turner gowns. Uh-huh. So uh, she's someone I really love to have more of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I share that passion. Lana is one of the, the special stars from that era in my book. Yep. And uh, another one is Betty Davis. Um, you own uh, at least uh, one Betty Davis gown that I'm aware of. Is that right? Yes, I have actually two Betty Davis gowns. Oh, wow. um, so I'm very, very lucky, including probably one of her most famous gowns, which is from All About Eve, the party oh, dress. Yes. So it's, it's really exciting to have some of these treasures that are so recognizable. Definitely. So how do you find these priceless costumes, Greg? Well, that one came from um, Edith Head's estate auction, actually. It was in her auction, and I was able to get it from that. Most of what I get does come from auctions. On rare occasion, someone will approach me privately, something they've had in their collection uh, before the auctions were happening. That, However they got them, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but mostly, I've had to get everything from an auction. And of course, nowadays, you pay dearly to get anything from an auction. How has collecting these costumes evolved over the years? Would you say it's become more competitive? I definitely think it's harder and more competitive both. Uh, when I started, there were very few people actually that had an interest in movie costumes. And there's a very handful of us that I almost knew everybody that was doing it. Nowadays, it's turned into a more of a business. There's, there's big corporations that are buying up some of these major costumes, I suspect for not display purposes, but for investment purposes because uh-huh. of the value, um, which is a little sad because back then it was more, we loved costumes, we were trying to save them and that was our thought. But right. since then, a lot of corporations have come in and sort of taken that away from us and, and they have the money that we don't. So they're able to, to buy these major costumes at enormous prices. Right. Well, and another way that seems it could be a little harder is also just validating the items. What are some of the ways that you validate the authenticity of an item before you add it to your collection? Well, one thing, of course, is is to make sure you have a still of the star wearing the costume Mm -hmm. so that you can compare and make sure that they match because uh, it's pretty hard to duplicate costumes. They're not easy to do that. So unless the costume is of great value, it wouldn't be worth it for you to even think about that aspect. But let's say someone did try to duplicate. Um, It's very hard to match exactly, particularly if there's any kind of print or or anything that would be really uh, recognizable. And then 
as as a real costume, you you look for the the look of the age of it. If if it's from the forties or fifties, it should look like it's an aged fabric. It shouldn't look brand new and crisp. It should mm -hmm. have an aged look about it. Um, the the construction inside is sometimes a giveaway because movie costumes are very complex inside. They they were not made to be looking beautiful inside like a, a off the rack in a department store would. Uh, they were made to make the star look wonderful. So there's lots of extra boning and things going on to to make the star look fabulous. Also, there's generally a label, at least one label inside with uh, the studio number and also the name of the star. Wow. So, uh, but not always. Sometimes they, they fell out or they weren't put in, in the first place. But um, you, you start looking. I, I've been fooled occasionally, uh, uh, but most of the time I, I think I get a good eye now for what, what to look for. An item um, that is in your collection that is uh, not a gown, but one of Marilyn's personal items. I'm fascinated by the fact that you own Marilyn Monroe's refrigerator. <laughs> now, that couldn't have been easy to validate. What's the story behind that? And, and how, how did you validate that that was, in fact, Marilyn's? Uh, believe it or not, a friend of mine who was a big Marilyn fan uh, saw in the, in the want ads refrigerator for sale owned by Marilyn Monroe. Well, oh my gosh. We thought, can it really be true? Uh, luckily, um, I own a series of photos taken by Eunice Murray, Marilyn's housekeeper, uh, a week or two before she died. And it, it's photos of various parts of the home. And one of these uh, photos included the kitchen where the refrigerator was clearly seen. And Marilyn had done something quite unique to her refrigerator when she bought it. She had painted the sides blue to match the tile in the kitchen. Well, that was a giveaway. So when we went, we, we had the picture. We, they did not know we had the picture because they didn't have it. They didn't have the picture. But they, they claimed that they had purchased it from the Nunez family, who are the family that bought the home after Marilyn died. So that already was sounding very positive. And then we had the photo with us. We knew what it was supposed to look like. And indeed, it was exactly that refrigerator. So oh my gosh. it was one of those weird miracles that uh, myself out of the millions of people in Los Angeles would see that particular yeah. ad and know, have the actual photo, because I was the only one that had that photo, and, and, and to get that refrigerator. And we got it at a fairly decent price because we had... We knew that it was real and they didn't uh, have any way to prove it. So I, I got lucky. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. Well, and on the subject of Marilyn, mm -hmm. you have one of the largest privately owned collections of Marilyn's screen costumes, publicity gowns, and personal items. How did you first become a Marilyn fan? Well, that takes me back to my childhood. Um, I remember as a child, probably around six or seven, my parents took me to a drive-in movie theater, get this, in Monroe, Wisconsin. Oh. Uh, I mean, can you believe, in Monroe. Wow. Uh, and I just was stunned by this beautiful, beautiful woman that I saw on the screen, and I couldn't get her out of my mind. And as a child, I started collecting whatever I could find, which was very little back then, because um, I lived in a small rural community and there wasn't a lot of availability, but I would find a photo, or I would find mm -hmm. there was only one or two books out on her at that point. I would get the books and um, 
it just grew from that into eventually me moving to Los Angeles and really being able to collect things that she owned. Wow. That's awesome. So what was, what was the first uh, Maryland item that you heard about being for sale? The first item I heard about was a pair of shoes. It was at an auction and I went to it and I didn't have enough money to get them. <laughs> I lost. It was, it, we went for more than I, I was a student at UCLA. I just didn't have the money. Yeah. But the first item I actually owned of hers, I uh, went to another auction later and I was able to get a, a fabulous red gown that she wore for publicity purposes. And there's a lot of photos of her in it. And it originally was worn first by Jean Tierney in a movie. Uh, wow. on the Riviera. And then Marilyn wore it for publicity after that. And I think it looks better on Marilyn. <laughs> and it's a fabulous, fabulous dress uh, designed by Ola Cassini. And it's really uh, what got me going because I just fell in love with this incredible gown. What was it like when, when you acquired the gown, realizing that you, you finally owned something that had been worn by Marilyn Monroe? It was a dream come true. I knew I would never get to meet her because she had died before, you know, I had a chance to ever meet her. But this was my way of kind of getting to know her a little better and feeling a, a, she, she was in my life in a very um, direct way. And then over the years, being president of her fan club, I've gotten to meet so many people that knew her personally. And that has been my other way of, of getting to know Marilyn. Because it, it, my big regret is that I never got to meet her, of course. Yeah. Uh, and this is the only way I'm ever going to be able to do it now. And, and having all these things that were a part of her life in the home, it kind of makes me feel like I'm, I'm closer to Marilyn somehow. Yeah, definitely. And I wanted to ask you too, Greg, um, you have so many of her, of her gowns and costumes in your collection. Mm -hmm. One in particular I wanted to ask you about is one of my personal favorites, the gorgeous silver gown designed uh, by the great Billy Travilla for uh, Marilyn to wear in the 1953 film, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And a quick note to listeners, you can see photos of this gorgeous gown in Greg's mm -hmm. collection by visiting his website, themarilynmonroesite.com. But just to give a quick visual description, the silver gown shares some similarities to the iconic gold lame gown that Marilyn wore, which so many people are familiar with. Yes, they, they're, they're both made out of this a similar lame material and they're both pleated. So they have both have a sunburst pleat on them. So they, they're very similar. And that may be why it was not used in the film because ah. it was too similar. Uh, to the gold one. I don't know. We, I have uh, Mr. Chavia's sketch of the silver and it was definitely intended and it even indicates the scene where it was going to be shown, but the scene was not in the film. But Marilyn did get to wear it anyway because uh, uh, the studio gave it to her to wear to two different occasions, a photo play awards and also a charity function at the Shrine for an Orphanage. Yeah. So there are at least two times we know that she wore it outside of that. And interestingly, that particular dress was made in Gold LeMay for Ginger Rogers to wear oh. in, in a film called Dreamboat. Interesting. Now, I've always thought that some of the most gorgeous photos of Marilyn ever taken were those of her wearing the silver gown to the 1954 Photo Play Awards. Would you say this extra radiance that's apparent in photos was indicative of how Marilyn felt about the gown? 
Well, I think that's probably part of it. She she knew she looked stunning in it. Yeah. She she really had a, a great look, and she even had put silver sparkle in her hair, which I think is kind of a cool thing. If you look closely, you'll see her hair has sparkles in it. Yeah. Um, and Phil Stern did most of the photos of her in that dress. Uh, he was a great photographer. And he captured her looking so beautiful. And she mm -hmm. was really at the height, in a way, of her, of her beauty at that point, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. it was, she, her career was blossoming at, yeah. at that time. And, and she was really turning into the number one star in Hollywood. So no wonder she was radiant. Uh, she was very happy that she'd come in a very short time, actually, from being just a, a very small part in films to being the star of all these, these pictures. Oh, those are some excellent insights. And I need to go back and look closer at these photos to see that, mm -hmm. that, that silver sparkle in her hair. Yeah. That is just fascinating. Yeah. So Greg, as the owner of this gorgeous silver gown, are there details to the dress that aren't apparent to the rest of us in photos? Uh, yeah. Um, it, it's interesting. When Mr. Javia designed the dress, he designed it so that she would not have to wear any underwear under it. He built the underwear into the dress. So there, there is a little bra and a little panty thing inside the dress. Wow. And the, and the reason for that is that way there would be no line showing underneath the dress because it was clingy and very tight. And he, he allowed her then her body to, to shine through totally without any interruption of lines. And that's another clever thing that designers do. They, if you've got somebody of his caliber designing for you, you're going to look your very best, particularly if you have a gorgeous body like Marilyn's. Yeah. Was. Oh, they, uh, they were a winning combination. Yep. Travilla and Marilyn, I just, I mean, his designs were gorgeous. She was gorgeous. It's a, it's a hard combination to beat. <laughs> they were a great, great couple. They really yes. worked well. And, and she liked him a lot too as a person. And he was a great guy. Yeah, he was a lovely, lovely man and beloved by everybody. Well, and, and actually the other Marilyn costume in your collection that I wanted to ask you about is another Travilla design, the black diamond studded showgirl outfit Marilyn almost wore in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes for the Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend production number. And listeners can head on over to your website, the MarilynMonroeSite.com for pictures of this unique costume. Um, but Travilla himself described the costume as giving the illusion that Marilyn was wearing nothing but a pair of high-waisted fishnet stockings under a black harness that was meticulously studded with diamonds. And mm -hmm. I, I kind of look at it as like an ornate bikini bottom and then <laughs> a diamond studded uh, bra on top. Um, but this was a pretty risque costume for the time, wasn't it? It was risque. And I think that's why eventually it was eliminated from the movie uh, because of it being a little showgirl risque looking though it really didn't show anything everything was covered it still gave kind of a stripper look to to marilyn and this was at a time that the playgirl magazine came out the very first issue with marilyn as a centerfold and it was kind of a bit of a scandal for a moment and i think the studio felt well we don't need to to point that out by having her in this outfit let's cover her up in in something different and that's where trivia then came up with the the pink gown which we all remember now as is the the very famous diamonds dress uh and and maybe in a way that was the better choice so this is the costume that marilyn was originally going to sing the iconic diamonds are a girl's best friend number in and you own it Yep, I own what's left of it. 
the top half was given to Sherry North and made into a different costume. And wow. uh, so I don't know what's happened to that. It may be gone forever, but at least the bottom half survived. And I have that much of it to share and the fan. I also have the beautiful feather fan that went with it. Yeah. The, the pink gown that Marilyn ended up wearing in Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend um, is definitely iconic. But how, how do you think, I mean, elements of, this, of, of the number, um, do you think it would have been enhanced had she been allowed to wear this original outfit that, that was eventually deemed too risque? Well, I think the whole number would have been totally a different number, if that's the case. Yeah. As, you, as you recall, she's backed up by women in long gowns. She's backed up by men in, in tails, mm -hmm. black tails outfits. I think that was a, a wholly different look from what it would have been if she had done the other costume. So it's hard to predict what the look would have been with, with the other costume, what would have been the background, what, what the men and women would have been wearing would have probably been something very different. Uh, it would have been a different number. Uh, and I'm kind of glad that it ended up the way it was because I think it's so incredibly perfect. Uh, it is. Classy and uh, I love it. I do too. I do too. It, it really is. I, I think it is the great musical number of Marilyn's career. I mean, she's flawless. She really yeah. is. I, I can't disagree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Greg, this may be an impossible question, but... Do you have a favorite Marilyn costume in your collection? Wow. That's, I always sort of say it's like asking a mother who her favorite child is. <laughs> um, it's hard to say because you love them all in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, if I had to pick, it would probably either be the red dress, which was my first, just because it was my first, mm -hmm. or it would be the Prince in the Showgirl gown because I love that movie so much and it's such a stunning costume it, it's yes. just really really beautiful i completely agree and it's it's that beautiful uh cream colored um outfit that she wears for the majority of that film right correct right she yeah. does wear it a lot in fact they there are comments made about her during the film uh, about uh, is this the only thing you own yes <laughs> <laughs> well Greg, something that I want to commend you on is the fact that you are so generous with sharing your collection of Marilyn's gowns and personal items and your classic Hollywood collection at large. Your collection has, it's literally traveled the world, hasn't it? It has. I wish I had been able to travel as much as it has because I was <laughs> <laughs> really gotten to see a lot of the world. Um, I've occasionally gotten to go with it, uh, which has been wonderful, like to Australia and some places like that, uh, which has been wonderful. But yes, I, I've loved that my costumes can be enjoyed. I, I'm not a person who feels I have to lock them up and nobody gets to see them because I want to share this love with everybody else. And I have many, many opportunities over the years to to have collection, the collection seen in, in, in a lot of very prestigious places. And yeah. uh, it's been great because I, I've seen the, the joy that, that people get from looking at these wonderful things. It makes me happy. And where have you been, uh, whether it's a particular museum or country, where you have been most impressed with the fan reaction to seeing these gowns and star costumes up close in person? 
Well, uh, there's been several that I've been able to travel to. Uh, one, of course, I mentioned is Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, when I went to that exhibit, uh, it, I went to the opening and I, because I'm not a celebrity, I can just sort of hang around and watch people's reactions. And, and it was such fun to see people looking at the, this incredible collection of not only my gowns, but other people's as well. And, and just loving seeing Marilyn and being in so awe of her. And I, I love that aspect. I, I, I did an exhibit at the Texas State Fair and people would come in and they would just, their mouths would drop open. It's just like they couldn't believe they were that close to a real Marilyn item. I love that. Same thing with my home. People come visit me in my home um, to see my collection from all over the world. They'll call me up and say, can I come by? And a lot of them just get very emotional. It's, it's a very powerful thing to be that close to Marilyn. Um, yeah. it, she's an amazing lady, even today after all these years. And you also share your classic Hollywood film costume collection in another way that literally brings these iconic gowns to life. Tell us about Hollywood Revisited. Well, that Hollywood Revisited came out of the fact that I have these 500 gowns outside of Marilyn. Uh, and I thought, what can I do to allow them to be seen more? And I devised a show using singers and dancers and myself as narrator pianist because I, that's what I do for a living, play the piano. And I make a musical review of having them wear the clothes and recreate through musical songs uh, some of the moments from the films. And then I project behind them at the same time the image of the, the actual star from the film wearing the costume so you can have that comparison of seeing it and seeing uh, people wearing it live. And it's it's been a huge success. People love it. Uh, I've performed in some major uh, theaters around the country, and uh, it's always a success. It's it's a fun show. People, I think, are longing for that golden age of Hollywood again and that mm -hmm. glamour and glitz that we had. And, and it's magic time to see the costumes come to life on stage because they really only come to life the way they were intended to be seen, and that is on someone moving. Uh, if you put them on a mannequin, they're beautiful, but it's not the same as the way the designer intended them to be. The concern is always, are they going to hold up? Are they going to be okay under stress? So far, they've been fine. We, we take incredibly good care of them and we're very kind and gentle to them. And I personally think they're so happy to be under lights being seen again that they want to live longer. Mm, I love that, yes. Well, and, and do you have any upcoming shows? Is there somewhere that, that people can, can book tickets to the next Hollywood Revisited show? Um, yes, actually. Um, I'm, I am doing a show uh, actually in a week in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, on the 21st of August at the Wilson Center. If anybody wants to come see, this will not be my, my traditional show, but uh, a fashion show uh, yeah. of people wearing the costumes. Um, and then... Coming up in this November, I have two dates in the Los Angeles area, at one in Long Beach on the 9th and then in Van Nuys on the 10th. And then uh, I also have a date in Temecula, which is sort of near San Diego on the 5th of December. So those are the dates for this year coming up. Um, so things are hopefully getting back to normal because as you can imagine, everything went down the, <laughs> the drain uh, when COVID hit. And so I, 
hopefully just getting started up again with with shows. Yes. And so um, is that is that uh, Hollywood Revisited? Is there a website that people can purchase tickets for those at? Uh, what they can do is contact me through my website, HollywoodRevisited.com. There's a con uh, contact me thing and ask about tickets and then I can give them the information if anybody's interested. Perfect. Well, Greg, in addition to your amazing memorabilia and costume collection and, and everything that you do with Hollywood Revisited, you also run the longest running Marilyn Monroe fan club, Marilyn Remembered. What inspired you to found Marilyn Remembered? Well, that goes back to 1981. Uh, I had moved to Los Angeles uh, to go to school at UCLA. And I was living in West LA, fairly near the cemetery. And every August 5th, I would make a journey there to give my respects. And in 1981, I met three other people that also were there for the same reason as me. And we thought, why not put together some kind of a club where we could actually make sure we have a memorial service for her every year on August the 5th. And so we decided to do that. And in 1982, we actually met and had a memorial service for her for the very first time since her death. Wow. And we enjoyed it so much. And we bonded and met other people that day that had come to the cemetery. And we actually decided to form a club, which we called Marilyn Remembered. And since then, we've grown into many thousands of members. We every year have done a memorial service. We just did one last week at the cemetery for her. And we done many, many other events uh, over the years, lots of great fun events in Hollywood. And we have parties, we, we have guest speakers, um, an amazing uh, journey uh, since then. And uh, it's been a grand adventure. And I've, I've been president since the founding in 1982, which I point out to people, I was only five years old at the time. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> you can believe that one. Oh, yeah. But I, I couldn't go to school at, yeah, you said it. <laughs> um, it's, it's hard to believe that I've been doing it that many years and uh, time has flown by and I've enjoyed every moment of it. Well, and, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, but um, as part of Marilyn Remembered, something that makes it such a unique club is because you have been able to make connections with people who actually knew Marilyn. Yes, that is true. In fact, our guest speakers over the years invariably have been people that knew Marilyn. Regrettably, most of them have now passed away, but aren't we, weren't we lucky that back yes. then most of them were still alive? And through some miracle, and I think it's partly Marilyn's spirit out there, drew a lot of people to us, people that, that had worked with her. And uh, it was just amazing the people that we've had speak over the years. I, I stand in awe. Uh, of the people that were willing to share their time. And even in this last memorial service last week, we had people there, George Shakaris and Renee Taylor, wow. two people that knew Marilyn personally. And I go, wow, aren't we lucky? Aren't we lucky? Yes. Well, if you were choosing uh, just a few of these figures from classic Hollywood who, who knew Marilyn, who would you say has, has had just some really fascinating insights into who she was and maybe given you a glimpse of her that that someone who didn't know her wouldn't be able to to recognize or or, or wouldn't see well i would say definitely her some of the photographers that i've met uh george barris and douglas kirkland in particular 
have been two great supporters of the club and they shared over the years many great memories of, of how fabulous Marilyn is. Invariably, everybody fell in love with her. Everybody uh, <laughs> that we ever had speak. They, they were all people that you couldn't help it. Uh, also, Evelyn Moriarty, who was her stand-in double on many of her films, uh, had so many great insights into Marilyn because she worked with her every day on the set. And was right there and, and again she had nothing but wonderful wonderful things to say about Marilyn so those are some of the, the many many standouts of people that that worked with her that um, we're so grateful of met Don Murray Jane Russell I mean so many people that I've gotten to know that, that were part of her life and um, they all loved her they just everybody loved her and you mentioned Jane Russell. She's one of my very favorites. I have to ask, what was it like meeting Jane? Oh, wow. I was thrilled. I, I, I love Hollywood. And so, and when I get to meet anybody from that part of, of life, of the golden age of Hollywood, I just, I go, I'm like a little kid, you know, I just acted goofy. Um, it was, she's lovely. She was really lovely, down to earth, very earthy, uh, very, um, real, very fun. Um, and, and I can see why Marilyn liked her because she had no affect about her at all. She was really a, just a lovely person. And I, I met her more than once. And each time she was just terrific, terrific lady. Uh, I, I can see why she was beloved in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how about Billy Travilla? You, you had a chance to meet him as well, didn't you? I did meet him. I didn't really get to know him. Uh, there were a couple of occasions when he was in the room with me and I was introduced to him. Um, I, uh, and oh, he actually, I'll take that back. He actually came to the club um, and, and spoke. And so I, I did get to meet him that way. Um, he was incredibly wonderful. He was lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, he was just the nicest guy in the world. And I've met so many people that knew him in, in the costume industry and they all adored him. He was just beloved by everybody. And um, he, I think he was just one of those wonderful people that you just couldn't help but love. Yeah. How can listeners join Marilyn Remembered to, to become a part of this amazing community that you've built? It is so easy. Just simply go to MarilynRememberedFanClub.com and it takes about 30 seconds to sign up and it's totally free. And I encourage everybody to do that if you love Marilyn, because you'll receive notices about all the events we're doing and you'll be invited to everything and you'll find out what we're up to. And it opens the door to a lot of things. We have a Facebook presence as well, if you wanna be more active. So it's a, it's a great way to connect with others who love Marilyn and there's no charge. I mean, how can you lose, right? Seriously, awesome. Well, Greg, as we wrap up our discussion today, I have one last thing to ask you. I feel like your collection of costumes, gowns, and personal items of the stars has brought you closer to these legends of Hollywood's golden age than the rest of us can even imagine. How has your priceless collection enriched your understanding of beloved stars like Marilyn Monroe? Well, I think it's made me realize how beautifully human Marilyn was. Uh, it's, it's taken away just that she was this goddess on the silver screen, but it's connected me with the other side that she was a lovely, wonderful, real, very special lady. And uh, 
seeing the personal effects that I have of her just makes her come alive for me more than ever. And um, it just makes me fall in love with her even more. Um, the, the, the image on the screen is one thing, but the real Marilyn outside of that was even more lovely and wonderful. And I think that's why, as I mentioned, everybody who ever met her, for the most part, fell in love with her instantly because she, there was such a kindness and such a loveliness about her. Yeah. Well, and, and Greg, thank you for being so generous with your collection and, and sharing that love of Marilyn with all of us. It's been my pleasure. I'm honored to have this and, and I'm more than delighted to share it because I feel um, I don't own it. I'm just caretaker at the moment for it. And I want others to enjoy it as much as they can as well, because I think Marilyn deserves to be enjoyed by the world. She's a great lady. Be sure to head on over to Greg's website, themarilynmonroesite.com, for pictures of his priceless collection and hollywoodrevisited.com to get your tickets to Greg's next show and see the costumes of classic Hollywood come alive.